Welcome to the Music Plays the Band podcast. We're going to be sitting down with musicians, artists, band members, friends and family to talk about what drives them to create great music. Asking more than just the typical questions, who's inspired you or what music do you like, we're going to ask the why behind what motivates them to create great music. Fireside Collective, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about their music. If you guys would go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Carson White, and I play bass. I'm Tommy Marr, I play the dobro. Jesse Aquinto, I play mandolin and sing. I'm Joe Cicero, and I play the guitar. Okay. Guitar. And uh, how long have you guys been playing together? Uh, Almost at five years yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. 
It'll be five years in uh, March of next year. Yeah. Did you guys know? Did anybody know each other before the band? Us three went to college together at East Carolina University. Okay. Yes. Nice. We hung yeah. out in in Greenville, North Carolina. Okay. And then yeah. how'd you get in on it? Uh, we had. Tinder, right? <laughs> I think it was Tinder. We matched. Um, no, I think that uh, Jesse knew somebody in Johnson City, uh, a mutual friend, and he just asked about guitar players and set it up blind date style. Blind date, yeah. and then we uh, we picked, and it was it was love at first pick. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. perfect. And uh, so before the band, like, what were you guys doing music wise? You guys were in college together playing, yeah. but so, how about even before that? Yeah, so, uh, well, Carson and I were in a band together in college at ECU, okay. and Tommy was a buddy of ours in the local scene, and we all played together. Um, I grew up playing piano. I started piano at age five and switched to guitar in high school. Okay. Just always loved music. Um, moved from Greenville to Asheville in 2009 yeah. to just kind of immerse myself in the bluegrass out there. Okay. Um, and it was great. And when this band came together, Tommy Tommy had been in the mountains, left the mountains, came back, left. <laughs> and I was like, Tommy, we need you back in the mountains. Yeah. So he quit his job at Duty Whole Foods calls. and yeah, came right. up to the mountains. And yeah. Carson moved out to Asheville. Followed well, suit right after Tommy. Uh, yeah. yeah, sometime around then. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Did uh, did you guys grow up playing in at home or in high school band or anything like that? I played high school band. I played percussion and saxophone. Um, I did not. No. No. I had like a fake electric guitar, and that was about the extent of it. <laughs> music music didn't come into my life till I was twenty two. Wow. I, I was a, an artist. Like a, I drew pictures and yeah. wrote poetry, and I. Never played an instrument until I was given a guitar wow. from my neighbor, and then, then I stopped everything else overnight and just started <laughs> learning the guitar. And it then, worked out. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Pre dobro. I mean, this is like. Well, okay. So let me ask you, and anybody can answer this, but what's your earliest memory of music, like as far back as you can go? The first time you ever even like paid attention to sound coming out of the speakers. Oh man! I remember uh, when I was really young. I remember jumping on a bed with my friend to uh, George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Okay. The song nice. was "Get a Haircut and Get a Real Job," oh, yeah. <laughs> and that song just stuck That's with me one. forever. <laughs> That's a badass one, because yeah. I mean, yeah. That's what it's all about. My, my first concert was Paula Abdul and "Color Me Bad," oh, wow. <laughs> and I was eight years old. And uh, I was so scared. I was screaming because it was so loud. My mom took me into the sound booth <laughs> where, the, where the front of the house was mixing. And uh, they let me in there because it was farther back. And that was my first musical memory. Not much has changed. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's still the same. He doesn't like loud music. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had a brother who was really into Led Zeppelin and... He, he got me into 80s music and classic rock. Oh, yeah. did he, when he? He drive you around and he... He drove me around in his Jeep, blaring Led Zeppelin so loud. Until you cry. cry. <laughs> we got a couple crybabies in the band. Yeah. <laughs> they cry. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't remember uh, super early memories other than, like... Uh, like rocking out to like Bon Jovi and stuff and Tom Petty like yeah. in front of like a mirror and just pretending. Oh, but um, no, truth is out. But yeah, when I was like nine, I think my dad 
when I finally decided to start maybe like trying to play guitar, he taught me the intro for Stairway to Heaven. And I remember he was teaching it to me like one day and I figured it out and then they went out to uh, they went out to eat or something and they called to make sure that we were okay. Yeah. And I remember playing it over the phone to him and being like, I got it. <laughs> I got it, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So did you grow up in musical households, like parents that played music or siblings or anything like that? I did. My dad played guitar. Okay. Um, he had a banjo laying around that he'd play every once in a while. Um, my mom sang in choir, church choir, um, had a piano in the house. Yeah. My older brother was into music. He played drums and stuff. So right. my, my family upbringing was pretty musical. Okay. Pretty accepting of music. Yeah. Remember my mom and my brothers and I would all sit around this old American folk music book mm-hmm. with uh, songs like Home on the Range and like stuff, and we'd just sing through it. And it wasn't the Rise Up Singing book, was it? That's it what, might have that's been. That's what my family had. Honestly, it <laughs> yeah. might have been. Yeah. yeah. I know that book. <laughs> okay. I, it it very well could have been. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about... Did you grow up in a musical family? Not my, well, my father played bass in the 60s, but I gravitated towards bass uh, separately from that because he had stopped playing oh, bass by the time I was born. So I was mainly influenced by the music my brother and right. sister listened to. They were way older than I am. And that made me want to play bass. They had good taste, though. Yes, they did. Great. <laughs> so that kind of leads into another question. Was there a specific like moment in time or person that kind of like propelled you to take music serious hmm. like a person we know or like a uh, any because like, I, I was a huge Billy Joel fan okay and when I listened to his music and like I just thought that was the point of life yeah and I thought it was so cool um, and my both of my parents have always been extremely supportive right my mom was always encouraging me to take it further and okay. never made me feel like I was chasing a dead-end job yeah. <laughs> you know okay. i know it's some families aren't as yeah. as nurturing yeah. of the artistic side right. um but i i was fortunate to grow up in a family where it was encouraged and okay you know i remember right when the i got that acoustic guitar from the neighbor i started getting into folk music and probably when i listened to bob dylan for the first time so cliche but like his impact was like undeniable on me like it it it, it, it i was like all right this young man you know early dylan you know can't really sing but he's a great poet and like i said i was really into poetry before all that and his chord progressions were easy i was just learning the guitar i was like man i can play these gcd and then i was like if that dude can do that (laughs) of course now i know the complexity of his lyrics and stuff but i but i was like man I'm gonna just I can do this like you know I can I think uh, then I became really passionate after Bob Dylan okay. and then I went through a huge phase so probably him was the first one you know still in a phase yeah I mean he's still I still listen to him often right yeah yep. but. well tell me about Fireside Collective um, what do you got what kind of music do you play and then what are you trying to do with your music so we play kind of a, a modern form of bluegrass music. Okay. Contemporary, um, based on the instrumentation and the the performance styles of like the early right. Bill Monroe, Flatt and Scruggs. Okay. You know where they're really personal with the audience. 
um, and the string based sound. But then we like to bring in our our own influences. Like we play funk songs, you know. We play bluesy stuff. Um, we're big classic rock fans. All of our parents were classic rock, yeah. you know, listeners. So we play Eagles tunes, Beatles tunes, uh, Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, so and we're just trying to show the world that there are many sides of this music. It's not just you know songs up in the mountains about drinking moonshine. I mean that's right. part of it. But like, there's a whole other side, and I think there's a lot of potential for this music mm-hmm. in the world to uh, reach people. I mean, it's it's a modern American form of music, okay. um, and totally in its yeah, in its original yeah. form, it was it was very new and progressive. Like mm-hmm. it was combining the styles at the time and making something new. Yeah. And a lot of people still kind of preserve that early version, which was great. And it's totally cool to preserve that. But we also, we kind of see ourselves more as like reinterpreting that original vision mm-hmm. with the modern perspective that we have. Right. I, and I mean, none of us, none of us grew up playing uh, bluegrass music, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it, you tend to see like a lot of the cats who are, are playing like the more traditional, uh, trying to keep it as close to the original you know, tradition as possible. It's like those cats like grew up playing it, and it's like deeply seated in them. It's like where whereas we like we have all these different influences, and it's like bluegrass is like our common love. So you yeah. know what I mean. So we come together on the bluegrass, but then we have all these other things that we love. So we try to throw them in there, and I think that the more that we all play with each other, it's like the more we realize that. All all that music, all the different kinds of music, it's all like connected, you know. Whether yeah. it's like the old school classic rock, funk, jazz, reggae, whatever, like it's all there's all like a common denominator at some point. Yeah. And uh, you know we we dig it all. So. Well, you mentioned uh, covering some songs of artists you guys really like. Where do you feel the place is for cover songs in a band? Some bands are really opposed to it. Some bands, that's all they do. I think for us, it's an invitation yeah. to the audience. You know, we still play for a lot of audiences who aren't familiar with us. Yeah. So they might be listening along and hear a song and be like, "Oh, these guys can play their instruments. The singing's good." Um, but then you play, you know, we play Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles, and sometimes that just that can get you a lifelong fan. Yeah. In an instant, you know. Yeah. And I feel like it also shows the audience. Our our story and like the music that has influenced okay. the band. So it's a picture. Yeah, you get a different idea about a band by not who only listening cover. to their originals, but yeah. by listening to who they cover. Yeah, sure. So it's, yeah. it's it's it's. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And the bands that we love the most, um, you know, Jesse and, and Carson and I and, and Joe as well and Alex, our banjo player. We all listen to a lot of Grateful Dead in the car, you know. And yeah. They were great at covering right. awesome songs, you know. <laughs> some of Making their, it their own. Some of their cool songs yeah. were covers. So, you know, even even the greats knew that uh, covering songs was important. And I We like to acknowledge yeah. where we came from yeah. and where music came from. Like, right. you know, like some uh, some bands are so original. It's hard to even peg like who their influences are. But for us, we're completely comfortable saying like who we're influenced by, 
Like, we stand on the shoulder of giants, you know? Such an accurate quote for a musician or an artist or anybody in the modern world. But, like, we, we, we couldn't do what we do now without the music that was created by Bill Monroe and the music that was created in the 60s and 70s when, like, yeah. some of the greatest music of all yeah. time was being created. 80s, Carson Wentz. Yep. Great music came from yeah. the 80s, too. 90s. We're, we're a grassroots band, you right. know, so we, we are aware of our roots, and we like to honor them and show it to the audience. Well, with all the different influences, how did you guys end up on bluegrass music as far as what you wanted to play together? You say it's like what you had in, all had in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's like a common I mean, thread. I, I think that with, uh, I mean, specifically with me, I know that uh, with all the different music that I grew up with and stuff, which I love, still, still love. But then, like when I heard bluegrass music, that was like, especially, maybe I'm biased because it's bluegrass guitar. But when I heard bluegrass guitar, like. When I heard Doc Watson, I was like... Bluegrass guitar is amazing. I was like, what's happening here? This is something completely different. And then when I heard Tony Rice, I was like, I want to be able to do this. This is like the coolest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) So like, then I was like fully into bluegrass music because I thought bluegrass guitar was like the most badass thing I've ever heard. So, but I mean, I would imagine that with you guys, like still like you, you have like different whatever you were listening to and then you hear like bluegrass music and it's like th- there was something about it that is just like yeah it's uh in. to me it's a very exciting and engaging style of music it's almost a sport sometimes like when you see a bluegrass band on stage and like in particular around like a single mic which we do sometimes yeah. coming in going out stepping up this guy solos that guy yeah. solos you know, it's we, like the sharpness to it. Like, yeah, you have to be sharp. Yes, aware. You know, be what I mean? in the moment. You can't just be like hammered on stage, just like no, you can't. Around like you've got to work. be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think for for modern audiences, like with so many distractions and so much like you know short term attention spans, bluegrass. Like if you're if you're tired of the banjo solo, it's about to end, and the guitar is about to take the solo. Yeah. You know, like it keeps changing, and we like to use that to our advantage. We'll have one guy sing, yeah. pass it on to the next guy. Harmonies on this song, no harmonies on this song. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot you can do with it for the audience to just stay engaged the whole time. Right. You know. Yeah. And and there's a you know because they're with acoustic instruments, bluegrass. There's also like. You know the the practical aspect of when you're at a jam or a party or around a campfire. Like I'm sure all of us. I know I can speak for Jesse and Carson because we've done this so many times. I know Joe has these stories, but you go to a party. You know you're not going to bring your amp and your electric guitar. You're going to bring your acoustic right. guitar. Yeah. So we just got used to hanging around one another in that setting and always having our unplugged acoustic instruments. So it was almost like a natural progression from jamming around the fire mm-hmm. to you know just even you know like let's let's keep playing this is fun like yeah. even when we're not around the fire these acoustic instruments are awesome yeah just last night we uh, you know we pl- played a plugged up show for 90 percent of the show and at the yeah. very end we unplugged and played an acoustic set yeah for yeah. the audience and we yeah. got in the audience nice it's cool to be able to do that yeah, yeah. there's something visceral and like I don't know, primal about just feeling the sound right there with you. You know, you yeah. don't you don't need any kind of amplification, even though we do plug in. But you know, 
Um, at Rooster Walk this year, I was walking over to uh, interview Los Chupacabras, and they were, I guess, camping near you guys, and yeah. they walked right through your camp while you were practicing. And that was cool. Oh, shit. I, I had my recorder, and I recorded some of it, you know, while I was walking through. Oh, but nice. Some guys were there. I don't think it was a whole band. It was, I know you were there. Yeah. And a couple other guys just practicing. And, yeah. I mean, that was cool, just walking in and... Nice. It was practice, but you guys really sounded tight right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rooster Rock was great. Yeah. Awesome festival. That's the great thing about festivals and camping is you run into that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We love festivals for that reason as well, you know. Well, uh, just to wrap this up, is there anything you guys want to plug or any projects you're working on right now that you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, a big one, we're going down to Mexico for the second time um, from November 17th to the 27th, I believe, are the dates. Um, during Thanksgiving, but we're, it's, it's a really cool experience because we're, we're bringing American mountain music to the mountains of Mexico where they already have mountain music and we're sharing our music together and, you know, across, across borders, across, you know, music is a universal language. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of the most powerful things that we have as humans. Um, and so that, that trip just resonates with us we did it last year we had a great time yeah. Yeah. Wow. And some of the most beautiful people in the yeah. world down there yeah, yeah man. is it like a tour you guys are um, making lots of stops or we're doing like uh, four shows this time yeah. in like cities around this um, lake where these um, yeah. this Pere-Pacha, native Pere-Pacha, yeah the native natives. Mexican okay. tribe wow. the Perepechas mm-hmm. um, have lived there for yeah. hundreds of years they were the only civilization in this is what I've read anyway, that weren't completely overtaken by Spanish and Aztecs. Mm -hmm. So like they maintained, they've maintained a lot of their cultural traditions over the time. Of course they have influences from those, those people, but they're really strong, very, um, sort of proud, a a really proud, but but small group of of indigenous, uh, people that live in these mountains around this lake. Some of the most hospitable people in the world. Yeah, they, yeah, they speak their Purépecha language there, and it's yeah. not, you know, not Spanish. They, they speak them both, but yeah. it's really, it's unique. And we're going to go back and experience that That's again awesome. soon. I mean, I hear about bands doing European tours all the time, but I don't yeah. think I've ever heard of anybody doing a yeah. Yeah. Mexico tour. That's yeah, it's cool. cool. Yeah, they um, like what we do. And we're also, we're doing a new album okay. starting early next year. All right. So in January, February... Um, keep your eyes out for uh we're going to do a crowdfunding for this one because okay. we want to do it at a good studio yeah good producer we got the bass player from the infamous string dusters travis book nice. um and we're just we're trying to do it right yeah our our past two albums have been more budget friendly mm-hmm. you know just like get in record get out yeah and there's something to be said about that but this time we're trying to Stretch it out, mm-hmm. you know. See what the five of us can do together yeah. with enough time and resources. Um, so yeah, so next next year, next summer, we'll release our third album, and that's that's going to be our yeah. biggest project over the next yeah. six yeah. months or so. And okay. our uh, yeah, our our banjo player who is not he's the only one who's not There's with us right us. now. <laughs> there is normally five of us, but uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he had to go home to uh, do some schoolwork, but he is graduating in December. So once that happens, then we'll be uh, full ready time. To go, man. Okay. <laughs> he's the be only a real one. band. He's the only one who's holding us back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. 
Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. And, uh, it was great talking with you. I missed your set because I was in here. We're manning the door. That's our job. Yeah. Here, so. I appreciate it. all you good. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. My man. You guys uh, sticking around for the rest of the evening? I think so. We'll yeah, be here for a little bit. Yeah. Man. Okay. yeah. Hey, you guys Thank got you, some uh, footage of me and Alex actually playing over there earlier, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Nice. We warmed up on like two or three songs over there. So. Hey, thank you for listening. I'm super excited to share these interviews with you, and I'd really appreciate you subscribing and leaving me a review, five stars preferably, but I'll take any feedback you've got. And uh, stay tuned. We've got lots more exciting interviews coming your way.